Hello. Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Grid is for Squares. I'm Vince. I'm Amy. Um, and this is a podcast where we smoke a bowl and talk about building a sustainable off-the-grid property in California. And other stuff, too. And other we stuff, too. We talk about lots of stuff. Uh, and what are we smoking today? Um, This is something you got. This is... Planet Dosi Flower Smalls. It's got too many names. Oh, yeah. They have so many names these days. It's like one of them is the company and one of them is the farms and one of them is the strain and one of them is the dispensary. They've got three or four mottos. Alien Labs, Moon Grown, in case you're wondering where. <laughs> it's not from Humboldt County. This was grown on the moon. <laughs> Yolo County Creative, LLC. This particular episode will be posted exactly one year from the first time we set foot on our property. No shit. Yeah, September 1st, 2019. Hey, that's Maury's birthday. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Cool. I should have remembered that probably. Well, yeah, we checked it out on his birthday. It was hot. I was sad. Um, Yeah. What it's do you remember? It's a pretty standard summer in California. Uh-huh. Um, I remember that it was hot, which now that we have had it for a year, I realize, uh, is not that unusual. I guess I was hoping that it was more of a... <laughs> like a mountain cool kind of... Well, yeah, just that it was a, you know, what's the word? Was oh, like an anomalous day. The day that we were there was yeah. an anomaly. So. But no, it's been very hot all summer. It's like 100 degrees for three quarters of the year, and then it's like 30 degrees for the other quarter. Oh, it's not three quarters of the year. Yeah. You're maybe right. a third, maybe yeah. a quarter. Yeah, we it's, got pretty it's pretty this summer. Quarter, 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 a quarter. Actually, mm-hmm. like I think the fall and winter kind of turned into their own like a blended thing. But there yeah. was definitely a spring, mm-hmm. and now there is definitely a summer. I know we had a whole episode about it already, but now it's fire season. It's really ramped up, and it's finally gotten super hot in LA, and there are just fires blazing all over the state. And it's very hot right now. It's changing the weather in, in weird ways. When there are big fires, it ends up not being as hot because the smoke blocks out the sun. Right. Uh, it's 90 degrees inside the bedroom where we're recording right now. Ugh. That's fun yeah. um, because it's like 100 degrees outside. But I think it's like 105 on the property. Hopefully yeah. we did a good enough job uh, taking everything out of the greenhouse. Oh Where yeah, we well, we'll talk about that a little later. We went up last weekend, yeah. and it was it was hot, but nothing melted. Right. Um, so quickly before we get to our trip to the property last weekend and what we did, um, I just wanted to talk about something that's been on my mind a little bit. Um, Vince and I are both crunchy hippies, um, but in like different ways. He's more the permaculture nature type of hippie, and I'm more the like hosting an immersive art event where actors throw paint on you while pretending to be from another dimension uh, type of hippie. Um, or Takes I suppose all kinds of a writing, writing a novel where it opens with the acid trip and then eventually compares that to going through the apocalypse kind of hippie. Um, but anyway, so the specific kind of like off-the-grid homesteading culture kind of hippie is new for me. Um, so I'm really trying to, you know, immerse myself in it since this is now sort of the path that we've chosen that I've happily gone along with and, you know, wanting to 
to know more about and how the culture works and how the community works and, you know, learn things from other people and all of that sort of thing. So you want to see where others have gone before. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah get to um, know who's out there already, right? Yeah, but I, I notice a lot of trends, especially, um, it's mostly on Instagram that I, that I do this, you know. Like the Instagram permies? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, try to follow a lot of people who are into the kind of sustainable living for yourself, you know, building your own homestead and growing your own food and all of that sort of thing. And I've learned a lot, but there's also like some trends that I find really troubling. Oh, yeah. um, like they're very much our people in a lot of ways, like take care of your own needs, respect the earth, like be creative and holistic in your approach to life. But there's also like a really strong anti-science trend, which mm. I find very sort of upsetting and disturbing. Like a lot of people not wearing masks, not getting vaccines, not believing in peer-reviewed science. Um, a lot of conspiracy, like really bananas conspiracy theories that would fall apart if you just like poke them with a sharp stick. Um, yeah, and I think a lot of people, when they hear us talk about this, you know, they think... They think we want to go out and be the Unabomber. They think we want to, like, go off... I don't know the... if anyone thinks that. <laughs> they think we want to go off the deep end because, like, people like that give us a bad rep. Well, I just think the important thing to distinguish that a lot of people seem to not be able to distinguish is the difference between anti-authority and anti-expertise. Or anti-reason. We are anti-authority, but we are not anti-reason. Yeah. Well, I mean, the reason I say expertise is because people who are experts often find themselves in positions of authority, like being a teacher sure. or being, you know, a leader of a company or whatever. Um, or being head of the CDC. Or <laughs> yeah, exactly. Postmaster so general. I'm against authority in the sense that, like, I'm against people telling me what to do if they don't know any better than me or if they're trying to just tell me what to do as a power trip or like because it's the way things have always been done. Um, but when it comes to, I don't know, medical science, for example, I'm not going to watch a YouTube video made by someone who lives in a hill. I mean, no offense, we want to live in a hill, but, um, <laughs> and didn't finish high school and like pretend that they know more than a doctor, like some more than somebody who literally studied virology or epidemiology for years and knows how to conduct a peer reviewed double blind test facts exist yeah it's been really troubling for me to just hear what what people reckon about yeah the virus or you know summer's coming so the heat kills it you know or just any of your crackpot theories about how it works yeah i think sometimes people think that there's a value to deciding everything for yourself which is fine and it is good to make up your own mind about things but like keep in mind that you're not an expert and expertise matters. Um, there's that Isaac Asimov quote that's like, um, my ignorance is as good as your knowledge, hmm. which is a major, I would say, undercurrent or current, full current in American culture. And it's just like, it's not. My ignorance is not as good as your knowledge. If you've studied this for years and you know how to conduct a double-blind like experiment, it's just, I have an English major, you know? I'm not going to pretend that I know better than somebody who does. And it's just really frustrating that everybody thinks what they reckon is as legitimate as somebody who 
actually knows what they're talking about. Was old Isaac being tongue-in-cheek, or do you think he just meant that he's really smart and he's smarter than everybody else? No, the full quote is that, like, a tr- specifically is, like, a concerning trend in American culture is that my ignorance is better mm. than your knowledge. He was specifically taking okay. down this so exact you, thing. you took him out of context there. I took him exactly in context. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's even sort of in line with the kind of community-based living that we talked about a couple episodes ago. It's like we all specialize in different things and can benefit from each other's experience. I'm not going to ask an epidemiologist to write a TV show for me, Mm -hmm. but I also shouldn't, they wouldn't ever ask me to do like a virology test for them. So maybe that's okay and we're all good at different things and we should respect that. So that's all. Um, Respect expertise and wear your damn mask. Yeah, wear your damn mask. Wash your hands. Anyway, that's all about that. Um, Let's talk about our trip to the property last weekend. Yeah, yeah, hard to believe. It was just last weekend, huh? Yeah, a week ago we got back. I got a day off work. Um, We drove up Thursday night. Yeah, Vince got home from work at, you know, four or five or whatever. Packed it up. Yep, hit the road, road. got there in the dark. But the greenhouse is all set up now, and so it's at a state. It's cool. It's at a state where we can arrive in the dark and not have to worry about finding a site or setting up a tent or whatever. We just drive up to the greenhouse, and there it is. And unlock it, and there it is. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that was pretty rad. And then um, we got up with the sun the next morning. Very early. I think, did you get up before me that first day? I was probably awake before you, but you got up first, yeah. So, yeah, we got up ass early um but But it was already starting to be light outside and we're like well we have a lot of work to do on this greenhouse today and it involves removing all of the furniture including the bed so if we can do this in one day that is going to be fucking clutch so we jumped right in you know had a little breakfast and coffee but then we jumped right in we moved all of the furniture out of the greenhouse first um, and then we drove into Mariposa to get some more bags of sand at Ace. Yeah, I've been special ordering pallets of sand to the Ace in Mariposa, and it only takes 15 minutes to get down there. There's probably a better way. Uh-huh. You can probably go to any, like, major landscaping company. There's, like, an H&L lumber place you could probably go to and get bulk sand. But yeah. I like Ace. Yeah. And just got this Subaru to, <laughs> to schlep it up and down the mountain. Yeah, got like 600 pounds at a time. 600 pounds in the Subi. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, the first thing we had to do, well, we, we sort of spread out the sand that was already there because the last time you were there, you put some of the sand in. Yeah, yeah, I put in um, just like an emergency drainage line because it's a greenhouse, mm-hmm. so if it ever gets totally flooded, it can it can drain out. Um, so yeah, first we put in the ventilation boxes. Those were just, um, I think aluminum flashing folded up into a box. And then I cut some hardware cloth, um, and shoved that in the middle. And then we put that underneath the greenhouse frame and poured sand all around it. Yeah. Lock lock it in place. Yeah, so we had to spend a little bit of time kind of like eyeballing the whole thing and being like, all right, where do we want these ventilation boxes to be? They can't be on one of underneath one of the beam support beams, <laughs> so right. that's a given. Um, but like under the bed, would that be better? Would that be worse? Uh, so yeah, we kind of walked around for a little bit and tried to figure out where to put them. Sort of settled on 
mostly like one third of the way in on each side or maybe a quarter of the way in on each side? Thereabouts. I think what I came around to was just you want to cheat towards the four corners Mm -hmm. of a space because if you create, if you have them all too close to the middle, um, you create a current in the middle and you create dead zones on the on the wall. So you just kind of shoot for the four corners. Cool. But yeah, we ended up doing um, about two feet in on each of the long sides, two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we started filling in with a bit more sand to kind of, like Vince said, lock those uh, boxes in place. Um, and then he started taking more trips to Ace Hardware while I worked on laying the tubing. That's right. You did the in-floor heating and cooling. <laughs> I did. Vinyl tubing. Am I a plumber now? Go? Uh, well, <laughs> you didn't make any connections. You, like, laid a line down. You could, might I'm as a well, landscaper. You're a landscaper. Okay, I'll take sure. it, I guess. I'll upgrade in time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the tools you were using, the landscape staples. They do um, have landscape in the name, huh? Yeah, and tubing is, is a landscaper's yeah. thing, not a plumber's sort of thing, indoors. But... I guess a greenhouse is arguably indoors and a landscape, so. Um, but you did earn your landscaping badge for sure. <laughs> Between the weed whacker and the and the tubing. All right. Earned... My Girl Scout badge. Yeah. yeah. Your landscaping badge. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Well, Vince made trips back and forth to get more sand. I got on my hands and knees and wound the tubing in like a spiral conch shell kind of a two spirals because it's a eight by 16 greenhouse and that would be really long spirals so we did two smaller spirals yeah i guess a little bit more about the in-floor heating cooling idea um it's i use three-eighths tubing this is just kind of an experiment for now did Maybe. you say this is PEX or that's a different thing? This isn't PEX. Oh, okay. Later on, like, we'll do a high pressure okay. connected to the potable water system. This one is going to be the low pressure proving ground version. Um, and this is just food grade vinyl tubing, which I looked it up and it can withstand, like, temperatures up to, like, 170. Get slightly leakier the hotter it gets, but I don't think we'll be getting that hot. Cool thing is you can also run cool water right. through it. So yeah, Vince Vince drove back and forth between Ace uh, while I worked on the laying the vinyl tubing. Um, it kind of wanted to spring free on its own, so I had to use all of these um, landscape staples. That's what they're called, right? Landscape, landscape staples. Um, to kind of hold them in place is kind of a weird thing to do. but uh, And it was so dirty and so hot. It was okay. It was the cooler day of the weekend. So it was only like 95 outside, I think, 90. Um, And I got up to about 100 inside the greenhouse and we're just like shoveling sand. So we wore our masks, actually, not because of coronavirus, but because there was so much sand dust in the greenhouse. It it was bad for breathing. So yeah, we we put on our our coronavirus masks to deal with (laughs) the greenhouse. But, um, But then after we finished all of the tubing... Uh, started burying the, that in sand to hold it in place. But they didn't have the full order in at Ace yet, so right. we were 15 bags short. Which, at the time, we were like, well, I mean, that covers the greenhouse floor. It covers the tubing. It seems like it comes up about to the right level. Maybe mm-hmm. it's okay. 
But then by the time we got the mats in place, we yeah. realized it was definitely we needed those 15 bags. Like, hey, it looks amazing. And anybody who sees pictures, I'm sure you're going to post some mm-hmm. or whatever. But anyone who sees it, like, that looks bomb. And it does. It yeah. looks bomb. It feels bomb. But <laughs> we know as we were spreading the sand, like, you could see the top of the tubing. You could see the top of the drain line. It doesn't right. quite meet yeah. the top of the foundation the vents. The drain head kind of sticks up out of the... Mm-hmm. The floor a little too much it's a definite tripping hazard so yeah we need to raise the floor a bit to meet the head of the the drainage yeah you really notice that 15 bags of sand but they're holding it for me <laughs> so it'll be there the next time we go up be a little annoying because we'll have to take all of the furniture back out but that didn't take that long no it really didn't and our ambition was just to get those things done last weekend to focus on that to do nothing else at all and because we were focused and determined, we did it all in that first day, right? We did it all in one all day, on yeah. We really knocked it out. Um, oh, you couldn't just lay down bamboo mats, though. You had to cut some holes in them, some fancy measured holes in them around where the, the vent boxes and the, drain. and the drainage. Yeah, so how did you do that? Uh, I used a hole saw for the drain, like a two-inch hole saw. Um, and then for the foundation vents, I just rolled out the mat as if I was going to install it. And took measurements, you know, from the corner to the vent and then marked it on the mat. Um, I guess could have used a jigsaw, but I used a skill saw for that. Seemed to work. Yeah. It's pretty slick. Yeah. So then, yeah, we laid the bamboo mats on top of the sand and voila, we have a floor. Yeah, it's a lot less buggy now. Yes, a lot of critters were getting in through the hardware cloth on the side. Mm-hmm. So now that we've raised the level of the floor and put a real mat down, hopefully there won't be any nighttime critters anymore, or at least not as many. Yeah, yeah, it's really comfortable in there. Mm-hmm. We have a no shoes policy now. Inside yeah, the greenhouse. Yeah, the the bamboo mat is a bit delicate. Oh yeah, we had to put down lumber for the, oh, yeah. the furniture. Yeah, we had to cut a few two by or one by four and one by six rails for things to sit on to distribute the weight um, because the bamboo is a little fragile. A bit delicate. You can certainly walk on it, but mm-hmm. you can't like set really heavy things on it. So we just made a few strips to put underneath all the legs. Yeah. And we didn't do it for the pullout part of the pullout bed because um, right. it had to roll. And we weren't exactly sure how to make that work. And so we didn't do it. And we regretted it because it did chip, I think, the, well, the bamboo just yeah, a little bit. Just a little. It'll recover. Yeah, it'll be okay. But Bamboo we... grows really fast. <laughs> um, but yeah, we figured that out. But we'll do it going forward. Yeah. yeah, cut the rails for next time. Yeah. So we got that all figured out. Um, but yeah, it's looking, it's looking like a real room. It looked like a greenhouse before, kind of, but like a rustic sort of greenhouse that's just an extension of the outdoors. Yeah. Now I can walk barefoot without getting sand or dirt in my toes. We don't have to worry about spiders crawling on our faces while we're sleeping. Or scorpions. Yeah. <laughs> or scorpions, night scorpions. Yeah, pretty cozy. So there. it, if only the temperature would come down, mm-hmm. it would be very comfortable in there. Needs a little more work on the outside. Need to make the rest of the bricks. Yeah, we do have to finish the bricks. Need to figure out um, the, like, roof situation. Um, yeah. Still need to caulk all the joint or all of the, all of the joints on the greenhouse where hmm. they should be caulked. Um, we got it set up just before the rain ended last year. And mm-hmm. my mom said that it was starting 
it would drip inside mm. because those aren't watertight connections yet. Got it. All right. Well, it's much, much closer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I am sensing that no project will really be finished on nothing this is property. Ever complete. But I guess that's sort of how life is, too. Just yeah. nothing is ever fully complete. Nor should it be. But that was just the first day. What about the second day? The second day, it was hotter. Not a lot hotter, but like just enough that it really kind of broke the camel's back. I was I was pretty hot and uncomfortable all day. Um, we didn't have to drive anywhere, but that meant no air conditioning. Right. I only had the one air conditioning break the day before since I only made the one trip to Ace. But even though I was in the greenhouse all day, which is much hotter, at least I had like a task you know, so I could focus on yeah. that when there isn't anything to do when it's really hot. It's just kind of like, what? All I can think about is how uncomfortable and warm I am. I couldn't, e I brought my Kindle, but I couldn't even read because I was just like, my brain was fried, literally. And, Steamed, I suppose. And you have to keep a dog alive. Like there is that. Every 20 seconds, you got to check in on that little fucker because he's always wandering off. <laughs> but. I think the best thing about his coyote vest is that it's so bright. Right. Like, I don't know if it really protects him against anything, but I can see him when he wears it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it would help. I don't know if it would fully thwart a coyote, but I think it would be an unpleasant and unexpected situation for it. A swooping bird of prey, and we get this false sense of security because there are turkey vultures there are some really big birds that just kind of circle overhead right. all day and dickens never seems to notice but if one of them was a hawk yeah they could do some real damage i think the coyote vest is designed for them too yeah yeah that's what the like spikes on his neck are for the whiskers on his back are for the coyote and the spikes on his neck are for mm, the birds apparently you know what it wouldn't protect him against, though, is a rattlesnake. Oh, Guess what Vince shit. found this time for the first time. Yeah, so on the second day, I got about um, some brush clearing, and I wanted to cut down a few low branches that I thought um, might impede the bus, mm -hmm. which has like a 13-foot clearance, something like that. Right. So I got to use a chainsaw, and I made a couple fires worth of firewood, maybe four fires. Um, and then thankfully I wasn't running any tools at the time, but I was just kind of walking back over what I had done, uh -huh. maybe taking pictures or something. And I heard a soft rustling hmm. and looked over and saw the kind of, uh, like black diamond, like an open diamond. It has the beige diamond on the inside and like beige body. And then I saw the rattle at the end. <laughs> Yeah, so I saw a four or five foot rattlesnake, maybe. Never heard it rattle. Hmm. I don't think it got super threatened or anything. Yeah. But I did see it, like, tasting the air. Huh. And I don't know if this um, is what you should do, but I kept my distance, of course. I turned on my camera on my <laughs> phone, um, and I started kind of stomping pretty heavy. Um, make sure he knew you were there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that intimidates them if that just signals that you're there if they get pissed off when you do that but at any rate it never rattled it seemed pretty chill and this was just off our property i was clearing the brush right um but definitely rattlesnakes Oof. 
I mean, it's not surprising. It's exactly the kind of environment where I was would expect to find sort one. Sort of what I wanted. I've never seen one before in real life. I've never. You? I was just going to say that. No, I've never seen one in real life. I just saw your video today. Actually, I was going through the pictures oh, cool. that you and I have posted um, on Google Drive. Of course, our love language is <laughs> Google Drive. Um, What's your love language? <laughs> But I find I hadn't seen your video before. Oh, so just yeah. this afternoon, I, I watched your rattlesnake video, and I was like, wow, that is a sizable snake. There she is, right there. That's a rattlesnake. Yeah. You can also tell by the, if they've got a big head. If they've got a sleek little slender head, they're probably not poisonous. But if they have a wide head. Big boxy um, head. Yeah. Boxy is the best way to describe it. It means they... Have big fangs and a lot of poison. <laughs> big shoes, you know what that means. Yep. Big fangs. Yep. Um, snake so, shoes. <laughs> snake shoes. So what else What else did we do? Oh, we surveyed the yurt finally together. You did some last time alone. Um, but when I looked at the pictures, I was just like, I couldn't wrap my head around it. So I, I wanted to survey it again together. Yeah, you got to be there. And we kind of scoped it out. We did some drawings in the meantime. And so it was really nice to take our drawings into the yeah, real world. Yeah. And, you know, moved things a little bit from where I'd had them flagged out before. Mm -hmm. But it was nice to have those reference points that I made because then, you know... You don't have to drag out the tape measure every time. You know roughly where stuff is. Sure, yeah. You kind of made a grid upon which to draw our, our yurt site. Yeah, so we shifted the yurt over a few feet um, and repainted stuff. Got this nice little landscape paint. Did we use multiple colors or just purple? Purple and pink, I think. Okay, cool. Yeah. It's cool stuff. Landscape <laughs> paint just washes away. Yeah. It rains. Um. So yeah, we went up to the site and started just kind of painting out where we imagine that the yurt itself will be, where we want a deck to be, and then we haven't sort of envisioned this lower area with pavers where we have a kind of an outdoor kitchen. Um, but the very first thing we need to do is start with the platform. Um, we're thinking about getting a 16-foot yurt. Um, it's a little small for like a living space-ish kind of space but it's in our price range more and the bigger we get the more it's like a house and not a tent yeah. and there's something about like we can get into why a yurt and the history of yurts and all that sort of thing in another episode I, I want to do that actually but for our purposes right now one of the things that appealed to us about it is like it's a tent but it's also like a solid feeling house kind of you know it's both well, and I think 16 feet is perfect given the environment. Yeah, that... something bigger wouldn't really fit in that space. We'd have to find a different space. Um, and also, it's just, it's a lot less space to heat and cool. Mm -hmm. um, it's not a house. It's a temporary dwelling. Right. And at the same time, a lot of the things that you would need to cram into a house that would make you want a 20-foot yurt or a 24-foot yurt we're going to be having outside. Right. Like a outdoor kitchen, kitchen. Outdoor seating area. Um, outdoor shower. Uh -huh. And compost toilet. Probably no running water inside the yurt at all. No. No toilet area inside yeah. the yurt. Um, another benefit of living in California. You can do that most of the year. Yeah. A couple cold nights. Mm -hmm. um, but we didn't really explain why we have to do a platform and a deck and pavers. Let's go back to that. Sure. Yeah. So what a, what's the site like? It's a fairly gentle sloping hill. Um, what what 
degree would you say it oh, is? Oh, God, I don't know. It, it varies. But it's got some kind of large granite boulders at the back. Yes. Those are typical. Right. Those so are at like... the back of the hill, there's yeah, yeah. these big, big rocks. And so the, the hill kind of falls away from that at maybe like a, a 1 in 10, like drop into like a 1 in 6 maybe mm-hmm. where it hits the trail. Um, and it's it's mostly grass, but I'm sure as we dig down, we're going to find some rocks yeah just like you have been in the dugout yeah. so the back of the yurt would be like probably two feet higher than the front of the yurt mm-hmm. uh, because of the slope so we right. have to decide either to dig in or to build up at the front maybe build a deck on the front right what did we decide uh we're gonna do both <laughs> okay um mostly build a deck i think but we're talking about digging in a little bit we that's actually something that we have to finish talking about and kind of designing out. I have a pretty good idea of how it all works in the X, Y axis in my head, but I'm having trouble picturing the Z axis. So, and it's, it's harder to, obviously you can draw something two dimensionally on a piece of paper, but how we're going to, to, how I'm going to wrap my mind around making a model of Mm -hmm. the the third dimension. (laughs) I still have to get your notes from when we oh yeah we did mark it out we drove a few stakes too Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. um so we drew out a new circle where we thought the yurt was going to be 16 feet yep backs like two feet higher than the front so we're going to dig down a foot on the back and then i think we're going to build up a deck probably like two feet or three feet high at the front Uh uh-huh um give us a little space out on there we're also hoping that the space underneath the deck and underneath the platform for the yurt will remain kind of cool and be a, you know, environmental control of sorts for hot days, uh, you know, being able to install a vent or a fan or something and bring up some of the cool air from beneath. But then that also begs the question, do we want to make it more uh, spacious and turn it into like a root cellar underneath the yurt? Yeah, we have this void space now underneath the flat platform and flat deck that's anywhere from zero feet to four feet um and it's quite a bit of space and it probably does stay cool in there most of the year so i was thinking we would cut a couple holes in the floor of the yurt Mm -hmm. um and doors so that they can open close trap doors like just little vent holes um to bring some of that cool air up during the summer um, so the that. amount that we want to dig in at the back uh, remains to be seen, but mm-hmm. otherwise we have a pretty solid idea of where everything is going to go and how it's going to work. Yeah, and from all the research I did, um, you, well, Amy did all the research on yurts. You provide the platform across the board, no matter what yeah. yurt company you go with, like they're going to give you the yurt. Yeah, or the kit, and you kit. you put it together. But the platform parameters are pretty much the same, right? Yeah, I mean, it just needs to be a round platform, the same diameter as your yurt, and yeah. have enough like concrete footers to be able to support the weight of the platform. But what about the drip guard? I don't know. What about the drip guard? Uh, yeah, so what we've decided is we can focus on the platform first without building the deck yet. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to. In, right? I would love to have it in by the spring. I said April. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to hold to that. We'll see. Right. I know time just spins out of control, but it's still only August. So, but dude, we have to dig like 
five footers, maybe six footers, uh-huh. seven. <laughs> um, we can do this. It's a couple weekends worth of work. I mean, yeah, it's always definitely. way more time than yeah. you think it's going to be. Um, but one weekend we'll dig the seven footers. Um, the next weekend we'll set the, um, we'll pour the concrete or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the next weekend we'll attach the pylons, the four by fours. And then the next weekend <laughs> we'll build the platform on top of it. All right. So that'll take like a month. <laughs> well. Of a business month, I mean. <laughs> A property month, which month, is, which is six like months. four months, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. It's a lot of work. Yeah, but I think it's doable. Mm-hmm. Are you bummed at all that, like, so much focus is going on the yurt now and not on the dugout? I know that that was sort of our priority before. Not at all. The dugout's always going to be there. <laughs> the other stuff might not be. I have concerns about wildfire and, like, really wanting to have the dugout for secure long-term storage. Yeah. But... I also recognize the value of an above-ground structure, and the yurt is something that we can really turn into a living space and really be comfortable in. Well, and there's only so much that you can do. You sort of hit a wall with the dugout, right? You've been doing it by hand, and it's just taking too long, and so you pretty much just need an excavator, right? Yeah, since we decided to get an excavator for the catchment basin, um, it seemed very Sisyphean to do any of the excavation by hand. Right. Why continue to dig with a shovel when you're eventually going to do it with an excavator right. anyway? That's just a waste of your time and effort. So that's a whole side mission. And I yeah. don't think we'll get all the way down to the yurt. I think we will have to do hand excavation Yeah, down that's okay. There. That won't be as much. Um, but we have to start doing our homework on that excavator, um, figuring out, you know, what's reasonable if, if we can just expect to move the, like, 50 cubic yards from the basin and do the dugout um if we could go to other areas on the property um and then we'll probably have to spend a whole weekend just kind of flagging out areas where Uh we want to take dirt out and then where we want to put it to right um so yeah that'll be a project sometime hopefully in 2020 but Maybe not in the next month it's hard to feel like going up there again to do anything while it's this hot. hot Hopefully it gets cooler soon yeah. so that we can go up and start doing more manual labor. (laughs) We did pretty well last weekend. We shoveled like a thousand pounds of sand. Mm -hmm. The key is to just bring lots of ice packs, lots of frozen Mm. water, lots of beer. Yeah, we had cold water and cold beer all weekend, which was really nice. Yeah, yeah. Just keep following the shade. Mm -hmm. But I think our next step is getting that excavator and I definitely want it to cool off, but mostly I want to get it before the rain starts. Right. Um, if we're going to book it for a three day weekend sometime, we'll yeah. make sure that weekend isn't, uh, raining. Um, well, and also shouldn't we have the bus up there first so they can look at the spot and confirm, like, I don't want to excavate a spot for the bus. And, and then they're like, no, not I mean, work. they probably wouldn't be like uh-huh. that, but it seems reasonable Possibly. to wait to yeah. run it by them and get their input on it before mm-hmm. we excavate a spot for the bus. Yeah. And I'm not sure when that's going to happen. Early September, maybe? Mm. Gotta gotta take it one week at a time. It's all you can do these days. Yeah. I yeah. guess, as I say, I'm planning a yurt for April. <laughs> you know, 
you gotta, gotta take it one plan. week at a time, but keep the long view in mind. Yeah, you gotta have a plan so you can set God up for the punchline. <laughs> right. Pretty soon the bus will come up, hopefully. I don't know if we'll go up again between now and then. If I we need do, another we weekend can finish off the at greenhouse. Least. Yeah, yeah, you gotta yeah. get some. Went up to the property last weekend. This weekend we worked all weekend, so like, gotta, gotta take a little break. Gotta take a little time for yourself. Yeah. That's important too. Um, what else? <laughs> I mean, I think that's about it. I was just hoping you would deliver some kind of closing statement. Yeah, yeah, fuck. Um, <laughs> don't pet the sweaty things. Don't sweat the petty things. And don't pet the sweaty things. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, summer in California, we're all sweaty things. Yeah. All right, stay cool, stay safe, and we'll talk to you next time. Love ya. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Sorry, I didn't know we were going.